In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today I'm back home recording from Prague in the Czech Republic. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series at iTunes. In this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from that motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the success, your success and your key to the future. I invite you to connect with me, send your thoughts and insights on leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you'd like to hear about. I'd love to get a mail from you. So please drop me a mail. If you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you are a professional or business person with a passion or an expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We have a worldwide audience. But even if you do not want to be a guest, if you are in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we will make sure you take home something useful for your business or for yourself. Now, we've talked about generational management in the past, and today we're going to talk about it again. It's so important because today we have four generations and very soon five, if not already five, working in the same workplace. And the word today is no longer millennials. It's Generation Z or Generation Z, depending on where you're listening from. And I'm going to use Generation Z today. And this generation is different to the millennials. During my leadership training over the last years, I've had a lot of leaders who came to me and asked me to help them understand how to manage the millennials. And now, all of a sudden, there's a sudden new panic on the rise. They want to know what's with the new generation the Generation Zers. We talked to a Generation Zer a while ago on this show when we interviewed Javi Minquez on May 29th, and we also spoke with Dan Kelson, author of Generation Z Effect, back in July 2017. But today we're going to take another look at this generation through the results of some very good research that has been done. When thinking about this, we have to remember, again, as I'm saying, by 2020, we have five generations working in the same workforce. And this this new generation will be driving the forces behind the new economy. In my own organization, I actually have an employee who was born in 1946. Um, he's a retired employee. And I also have an intern by born in 1990, and I'm kind of stuck someplace in the middle. Now, we all work really well together. It's 
sometimes not that easy. And the older generationers very often struggle at understanding our Generation Z intern, even though she contributes greatly, she just does it in a different way. And our next guests are constantly working with Generation Z, and not only working with them, but preparing them to enter the workforce. They are helping educators and leaders understand the values of this new generation, and they have conducted extensive research and gathered many Generation Z stories. Our first guest is Dr. Corey C. Miller, and she is the author of Generation Z, A Century in the Making, which offers a historical look at the influence of the last hundred years on Generation Z. She's also the author of Generation Z, Goes to College, which aims to prepare leaders and educators for this new generation, and the book Generation Z Leads, a practical guide for leaders and educators in designing meaningful leadership development experience for Generation Zers. Her TED Talk on Generation Z at TEDx Dayton in October 2017 showcased how Generation Z plans to make a difference in the world. Her work has been featured in the news and media, such as on NPR, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. Dr. C. Miller has a bachelor's degree in communication, master's degree in educational leadership, and a PhD in higher education. She has worked in higher education for more than 20 years and for the last several years directly with Generation Z students. She currently serves as a faculty member in the Department of Leadership Studies in Education and Organizations at Wright State University in Ohio. Our second guest today is Megan Grace. Megan Grace is a generational researcher, host of the podcast Gen Z, and the co-author of the books Generation Z Goes to College and Generation Z Leads. She and her co-author, Dr. C. Miller, have been studying Generation Z since 2013 and have conducted two original studies on Generation Z. They'll be releasing the third book, Generation Z, A Century in the Making, in October 2018. Megan's work with Generation Z focuses on utilizing generational research to influence individual practices and organizational strategies that promote empowering environments and experience for the members of Generation Z. Megan holds her undergraduate degree in communication from Chapman University and a master's in higher education from the University of Arizona and is currently pursuing her doctorate at Vanderbilt University. So welcome to the late, to the show, Megan, uh, Dr. C. Mailer. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Okay, great. Yes, We're excited to chat. Okay, great. Let's let's start kind of basic because there's always a lot of confusion. Um, I notice in some people there's confusion on who's a millennial, who's a Generation Z. Can you define who is a Generation Z? You know, that's a great uh, unanswered question. As You know, as generational researchers, we agree on a lot of things around the characteristics of generations, but we can't seem to agree on the start and stop dates of them. So um, typically, the, the generation is mid-1990s to, the, to, to around 2010. We use 1995 to 2010 as the, the birth range dates because those are the ones that came out first with a, a report out of uh, Sparks and Honey that um, was used as a benchmark for much of the studies done early on in, on Generation Z. So um, you're looking at folks that are mostly our, our elementary, middle school, high school, college, and part of grad school uh, students today uh, would be what we would call the generation. Now, we've broken it into two pieces, the big Zs and the little Zs. 
And the big Z's are, are the ones that are the, the, the older half of the generation born in the 90s and early 2000s. And then the little Z's are the ones that are still, you know, elementary school, middle school, born towards the latter end of our continuum. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like the big Z, little Z. That's, that's neat. Um, so how, how did you both develop your interest in this? Well, you know, it, it was interesting because um, it actually came a lot more organically than expected. Um, we were both working at a university, and we were at our summer orientation program where we bring in new students each year. And we noticed that the crop of students that were coming to college that fall were incredibly different than the ones that had come in prior years. And so I had gone out and, and done a little bit of research trying to figure out, okay, it's summer of 2013. What's going on here? And came across a generational chart. Like I said, um, we had seen that 1995 was the start date, um, making it so that these 17, 18-year-olds were a start of a new generation that wasn't millennials. And for me, that was a, a heads up that, hey, we're whether this is you know real or perceived at this point in time, there's really a shift or going to be a massive shift in the demographics of students in higher ed. And working out of college, we need to be on the forefront of being able to adapt to this new generation. So for, for me, it, it, I stumbled across it by just noticing um, how how this generation was different. And, and Megan came on um, shortly thereafter with her interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, was lucky enough to be working with Corey, um, the university, working in the same department, and she brought this to our staff retreat as a, a topic of conversation. And I think I was the only one that like kind of like, lit up. Everyone's like, oh, this is interesting, I guess. Um, but I think that as a millennial, we talked a lot about my generation. And so I think I was just refreshed to be like, oh, there's another group to be talking about, but from a professional practice standpoint, um, as an, a young professional in my field, I said, I think this is really in- interesting and, and, and I need to know about this to be better at my job. And so that, and I think both Corey and I were looking at it from it, it's very interesting seeing this change, but also mm-hmm. utilizing it to create better, like I said, better experiences, better environments for the students we were working with to, to know who they were and how we could help provide that for them. And as you went into this, your, your, your conclusions and your books are based on research. So could, can you tell us about a little bit about the research and maybe, you know, at a high level, what did the research tell you about the characteristics of Generation Z? Well, yeah, and you know, it's funny because this started out again as, <clears throat> excuse me, a very organic kind of a, of a involvement. And so in the fall of 2013, um, Megan and myself, we started looking up as much as we could online about, you know, who this generation might be based on things that other studies that people had done, basically of adolescents and teens, <clears throat> excuse me, and we translated them into what might we might expect in higher education. But by the time summer of 2014 came, and we had already had a cohort of this group through college, uh, at least their first year, we decided that we wanted to do some original research. And we weren't planning on publishing it. We certainly weren't planning on writing a book or anything. We just were curious. And so we um, we were able to do a study that was quantitative and qualitative. And we did a national study. It wasn't huge, um, but it was enough for us to get a kind of a pulse on on what this generation was about. And from that study, we were able to um, get quotes and descriptions and stories from the students that was incredibly fascinating. And that's what opened up our idea to launch a second study in uh, where we did in 2016 and 2017, where we actually did a story study. And we had 50 colleges and universities across North America that participated. And the students answered seven open-ended questions 
things like, you know, what gets you excited about getting up every day and what legacy is your generation going to leave? And they wrote stories and we read Mm -hmm. through thousands and thousands of these stories. And so what was nice is we had a lot of the, the the voice of Generation Z, and we in our books and in our in our in the work that we do with generations is you know we don't limit ourselves to our own research. We use research from all over. We've we've been able to work with a number of different research agencies to get data sets that are that are specific to just the Generation Z age group, like. Um, the Higher Education Research Institute and the VIA Institute on Character have been able to send us data sets. We use peer research, census research. We use market research reports, social science, and even other generational researchers' information. And all of it together um, provides us a really good snapshot of who this generation is. But a lot of the studies are done quantitatively, where they're asking students to answer questions on scales or yes-no questions. But mm-hmm. the stories that we collect, those are the voices. Those, that's the power and the beauty of the data that we have, is that it really tells the how and the why and the passions and the values of these students. And so all of that combined comes together in our books to tell a larger narrative of who this generation is. I, I think it's really interesting that they wrote stories, um, and I'm just thinking about that as maybe a, a generational difference here, because I think if somebody g- even gave me a question, I might just answer it with bullet points. You know? um, so tell me, yeah, t- tell me a little bit about the, um, let's just, you know, hear a little bit about the stories. Um, what was probably on a high level, what was something that you, you know, that really stood out that you found out about this generation? Well, we found out a lot of really interesting things, but I would say probably from from a researcher's perspective, the most interesting nuance was that a lot of their answers from each question, even though the questions were different, coincided with each other. There were themes that ran across all of them. Things that motivated them were also things they were looking for in their future career, which were also things that they wanted to leave a legacy for. So it was interesting to see that they, while they might have worded it differently or had it in a different context, things like making a difference, leaving an impact, um, creating change and addressing problems were things that, that cut across all the questions. And mm-hmm. so for us as researchers, that gives a lot of strength to that voice because we hear it over and over again in various contexts. So, you know, as we unfold today and talk more about the specific findings, I think overall, it was just nice to be able to keep seeing up oh, here it is again, here it is again. Um, the, the issue of financial security and financial stability in a job came up over and over again in various uh, context. And it was, I don't necessarily want to be wealthy, but I want to have enough money to, to live off of. And that, that was part of what it means to lead a good life as well as what I'm looking for in a career. And so it was really neat to see those stories tell a larger story when we looked at them all together. Okay. And th- let me just ask you um, a quick question bef- before we go to a break. Um, did you see a difference in some of the answers that you got from maybe what you saw in the characteristics from the millennials? And we're going to talk a little bit about what you saw in, after the break, but was there a difference in the reactions between the Generation Z and what you might expect from a millennial generation? Well, you know, having not really studied or done this, these particular studies with millennials, it, it's hard to, to necessarily compare. But from some of the research that's come out about millennials, there were some stark differences um, mm-hmm. from what we found and what other researchers have found about millennials in the past. And the interesting thing is, is that, you know, we looked at a lot of studies of millennials um, that people had done when they were the same age that Generation Z is 
today when we're studying mm-hmm. them. So we're looking at them at the same stage of their lives. And we're finding, you know, there are some similarities in things like technology and their open-mindedness. Those the, those are sort of obvious ones. But, um, you know, there, there are some differences, um, okay. absolutely differences. Okay, great. Let's, um, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'd, I'd like to talk about the themes that you, and what you found out through these stories, okay? And for our listeners, we're talking to Dr. Corey C. Miller and Megan Grace, who are the co-authors of Generation Z, Generation Z Goes to College, and um, also Generation Z Leads. And there's a new book coming out, Generation Z, A Century in the Making, and that'll be out in October, which offers a historical look at the influence of the last 100 years. Now, if you'd like to reach out to either Megan or Corey, uh, you can reach them on Twitter. On Twitter, it's Megan Grace or Corey C. Miller, and also at Gen Z College. On LinkedIn, Dr. C. Miller is on LinkedIn, Corey C. Miller, and Megan Grace on LinkedIn. Facebook, Corey C. Miller and Megan M. Grace on Facebook. You can also go to websites, whoisgenerationz.com, and also Dr. C. Miller's website is www.coreycmiller.com, and Megan Grace is meganmgrace.com. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, Leadership Beyond Borders. Uh, Please reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We all hear about information security, identity, and privacy threats. The more technology becomes part of our lives, with more data created to provide insights about our lives, the more concerned we need to be. That's why it's important to tune in to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Host Rebecca Harold is an internationally recognized expert in these areas. Rebecca and her guests will let you know how to keep your business and personal data safe. Listen live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When you think about all of the business success stories, have you ever stopped to think that many of the most successful stories have come from failure? We'll hear about these stories each week on Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C, the academic entrepreneur. Dr. C is Dr. Cheryl Lentz. With her guest experts, she'll teach you all about failure and how, with its understanding, you can succeed at just about anything. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. 
Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. Today we're speaking with Dr. Corey Seemuller and Megan Grace. They are the co-authors of Generation Z Goes to College and Generation Z Leads. I have a third book is coming out called Generation Z, uh, Century in the Making. And we've been talking about the impact this Generation Z is going to have or is already having on us. And I asked a question, Dr. Seemuller, about the the millennials before the break. And I just like to to close that question out. I mean, what did you find were the primary differences between this generation and and the millennials? Well, there are two things that really stand out. Um, The first one is around motivations. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, specific to Generation Z. But we found that, you know, in other people's research and, and just even in practice that, you know, millennials are motivated by recognition, accolades, incentives. Um, and that isn't quite the same as Generation Z. They're motivated by different factors. Um, but probably one of the bigger things that we, we found was that how they learn and how they prefer to learn is very different. Millennials are collaborative. They're interpersonal learners. They, they grew up in group learning, pod learning, push your desks together and collaborate. Uh, Generation Z prefers intrapersonal learning. They want to be able to reflect on their own, to be able to think before having to work in a group. Um, and even sometimes working uh, entirely alone um, is a preference for them. And, and as you see Gen Z going into the workplace and potentially working for a millennial supervisor, you know, this could be an interesting dynamic that happens when you're working on uh, individual versus group projects. And so for us, that was one of the biggest pieces that really stood out. Mm-hmm. And, how, and, and that's, that's really interesting. And how does that affect um, what their biggest motivators are and what are the biggest motivators in this generation? Yeah, I think this has been such an interesting finding for us because we're seeing that when we were able to understand their motivation, and as Corey talked about in the last segment, it's starting to transcend uh, through different themes of our research, and we're able to see this emerge in some of the stories that they tell. We were actually able to study this more quantitative standpoint um, in 2014 when we were able to provide a list of motivating factors to study respondents. And we actually were able to boil that down into three primary areas or sources of motivation being relationships, passion, and an achievement. And so for for Gen Z, we are seeing that 75% in our study were motivated by relationships and specifically not wanting to let other people down, the people that they knew, and then making a difference for people. So really being there for the, the people that are in their lives and, and the influential relationships that are a part of, of their life. And then passion being this idea of advocating for something they believe in, rallying around a cause and and truly wanting to make a difference. And so we start to even see passion and relationship have that connection together. And then achievement being a little bit different. So millennials, we we see, you know, wanting... recognition and um, accolades, whereas achievement for Gen Z is boiled down a little bit differently. This idea for an opportunity for advancement, thinking about how does this help me down the line, down the future, but also receiving credit for things. Um, And that might be smaller things where they don't necessarily need a big fancy award ceremony, but they do want to receive credit for the effort and the time they put into things and not necessarily more so in a public sense. And it's more in an individual sense. And so I think this idea of motivation, it, it, transcends so many different environments it transcends so many different ways that it can be utilized as well so we think about it maybe from a marketing perspective or an educational uh, perspective utilizing that motivation as a foundation I think is something that we've been able to to see in our research but also work with with people to restructure some things and and tactfully utilize motivation as a source to engage Gen Z. 
Well, when I think about that, that's interesting because when I think about, you know, the difference between recognition, which it would be a, a millennial and then um, as far as achievement and then passion, I mean, as um, opportunity as achievement um, that are quite you know, there are, that is quite different when you're looking at how you're going to organize or how are you going to hire or, or whatever you're going to, how you're going to motivate. So I guess my next question is from this, this study and these three things that you found out, what did you find out what they primarily care about, what the big primary cares and concerns of this generation were? Yes, actually, we spent quite a bit of time in both of our studies looking at their concerns. And, you know, it's interesting as a generation that has access to more knowledge than any other generation did when they were their age, they're pretty, they they have a pretty broad understanding of a lot of issues. Um, Depth might be different just because of the amount of time you can spend looking at a lot of things. But they, the, the things that end up being of the greatest importance to them in both of our studies we found was having affordable quality education. At all levels, they, you know, as we studied college students, they even reflected back on their K-12 experience and said, we need to have quality education. Uh, And that was a very big concern for them. But of course, having affordable tuition for higher education, and and, you know, it's not surprising given where they are in their stage in life and Mm -hmm. that we ask college students. Um, But they're also incredibly concerned about inclusion and equality and human rights. And, And this kind of encapsulates everything from racism to LGBTQ to women's issues to immigration. All of these, um, are really around this idea that they want to create more inclusive, not less inclusive environments for people. And then the third is, is getting, getting a job. They want to be able to have a job that they feel fulfilled with, they feel happy in, they enjoy going to, and that they know that that job is going to make a difference in society in general. And, um, and those were the three things that really stood out. I mean, there's other, there's other uh, areas that we know just from watching Gen Zers mobilize things around um, gun control and school safety. That's certainly something we, it, we didn't, it didn't come out in our study because we didn't really specifically focus on that um, because it was pre-Parkland, but that is certainly something that is a focus for, for a segment of this group. Um, political dysfunction, that came up um, as well. Uh, so there are some things that are quite important to them. And of course, with getting a job is things like financial security and stability. Um, the things that weren't as important in our first study, we found that they're not really, really they don't have a great care for the legalization of marijuana. They're really indifferent to it. Um, they, you know, they didn't talk a lot about war, terrorism, military involvement, um, anything of that nature either. Um, food production, factory farming, some of that, um, a little bit in our first study, but not really a whole, whole lot on that either. Um, healthcare came up a little bit, but not, again, not a huge focus for this young generation that, that's just not in the forefront mm-hmm. of their minds. Mm-hmm. And with with these concerns, how does that affect their their lifestyle? I mean, if education, quality education, getting a job, opportunity, um, and relationships. If I go back to to what you said was very important, relationships and passion, how does that affect their lifestyle preferences in this generation? So I think that you can look at, again, their motivations are very telling when you boil it down to that, um, that relationships do really matter. And they're going to take that to the workplace. They're going to take that to education, that 
friends and family members are significantly influential on their values and, and what they're aspiring towards. And when you can look at college choice and how young people today are making college choices, thinking about, um, I want to be not too far away from my family, um, but have their family being involved in that. They're also going to think about family and their future family when they're looking at careers. And so thinking about a career that's going to help provide some financial security and stability, uh, again, not to this point where they're making so much money that they're just like uh, opulently rich, but really are able to, to make their ends meet and live comfortably and take care of the people in their lives. Um, I think that they they take a cue from their Gen X parents who very much have focused on a work-life balance that allows for more family time and um, hybrid and flexible working environments that allow for them, allow for parents to be part of children's lives. And so for them, that's the role modeling that they're getting, that influential um a role model within their parents, showing them that work can be a flexible enough place where you can still support your family, not only monetarily, but in an emotional sense by being there physically um, and spending time with them. And I think that they're going to take all of that into it. Um, and when we think about some of their biggest concerns being access to quality higher education um, and education in general, they see that as an opportunity for advancement to eventually get a, a stable, well-paying job so that they can take care of the people in their life. I think there's also this element of them wanting to do good for other people. And so if they're able to, to cover all of their bases, um, you know, very Maslow's hierarchy of needs of being able to cover stable housing um, and, you know, getting food on the table, they're able to take care of the people around them as well as the people in their community. And so I think it's very much a step process for them of, you know, establish career, establish in life, and then move on and then think about how they can start to make an impact on the people in their lives, in their community and in the world. Mm-hmm. And so this this well-rounded, I mean, to me, it sounds like a very well-rounded view then must obviously have an effect on what they think about leadership styles. Okay? And um, um, in your in your book, and I have to recommend both books that, that I've read to our listening audience, you talk a little bit about the leadership star, styles and, and how leadership, traditional leadership roles may not be exactly what are are for Gen Z. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we were able to study their preferences and interpersonal and leadership styles, so how they work with others. And there's a gravitation away from this idea of traditional leadership roles. Um, leading as an interpersonal style is actually ranked lowest with our study respondents. And we found that really curious because, you know, we see this group of very actively engaged young people. And so we started to dig into that a little further, um, looking at role models um, and who they identify as role models are typically everyday people close to home to them. It's not traditional leaders that I think maybe in previous generations and prior decades would have been political leaders. It would have been celebrities. It would have been professional athletes. Um, We can see into those people's lives a lot more. And so traditional leaders, it's one one slip up and one fall from grace. And you're in this, this place where you're not able to engage in that that leadership. And I think they view traditional leadership um, as one person in front of the room um, leading all of these people, whereas I think they're going to gravitate more towards this idea of everyday leadership where they're diving in and getting things done. Um, actually, their preferred interpersonal style was doing this idea of like being actively engaged, um, but everyone can do something in their own way. So everyone's leading in their own way. Uh, so whether or not that is being, you know, president of an on-campus club or um, a 
service organization in their community, it's a matter of them being able to be actively engaged in helping other people and getting things done and solving problems. And so I think for them, they they gravitate away from traditional leadership roles because there can also be hierarchy and structure and organizational constraints to actually solving problems and getting things done. And I think that how much they want to dive in and do things outweighs their desire to have a fancy leadership title or leadership role when they feel like everyone can be contributing and should be contributing. And it was really interesting in our 2017 study with the story study and looking at this further with their words, you know, they say like, we can make a difference. And if everyone has hands on deck or everybody is doing something to contribute in their own way. Mm-hmm. And and Megan, this this um this kind of goes back to what you said as one of the important things as being uh, uh, inclusion, okay? Mm-hmm. And and this 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 uh, this generation has grown up in a global economy, and and mm-hmm. we still we still struggle with inclusion. We still struggle with only six percent of CEOs are are women. We still struggle with discrimination issues. So how how do you think this generation might help some of those issues? or their views on these issues. I think that they're going to to speak up and question the current situations where there are deficiencies and people are not included. Um, they're going to question leaders and organizations that have leaders that might not necessarily be representative of the people that they should be leading. I think we're already starting to see that as more of them are growing up and are aging into a political space and a voting space where they're questioning why there might not be more women and people of color in leadership roles. Um, and I think they're going to question it and not necessarily like the, that the system is broken, but how do we make our leadership and organizations more inclusive and representative of the people that are actually being led? And so and more representative of our population and more representative of their friends and their peer groups. And so I think that they're going to hopefully, if if older generations can do this, engage these young people and move them into leadership roles, um, but also be open to listening as these young people might question um, the demographics of our leadership and um, whether that's in a company or whether that is in an organization or within our political system, they're going to question why things aren't reflective of, of who they are and their identities, um, but also the identities of our, po- our entire population. So it sounds like this generation may help us move the envelope a little bit, <laughs> is what I'm hearing. We can hope so. We can hope so. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to take a short break again. And when we come back, I would like to really start to talk about some concrete changes that we have to make as leaders or educators and, you know, to engage this generation more and to, to give them better experiences and give them the kind of education they would like. So with uh, for our listeners, we are talking with Dr. Corey C. Miller and Megan Grace, and they are the co-authors of Generation Z Goes to College and Generation Z Leads, and I highly recommend both these books. I've read them and used them for, for my educational uh, tra- educational experience and as well as leadership training and they're also the author of generation z a century in the making and that talks about the how the last hundred years have affected generation z and you can reach out to them on twitter and on twitter megan is megan and grace m grace and dr c miller is Corey c miller and they also have a twitter account gen z college and on LinkedIn, Corey C. Miller is under Corey C. Miller on LinkedIn and Facebook. And Megan is under Megan M. Grace on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also go to their websites. Their website is whoisgenerationz.com. 
Dr. C. Miller is www.coreycmiller.com and Megan is meganmgrace.com. And you are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis. Please contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail. And with that, we're going to take a break and come back, ladies, and talk about what we have to do as leaders and educators to to make sure we engage this generation. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. There are many business podcasts out there, and they focus on the success stories, the top people in the fields, and what they're doing right now. But each of these people have a backstory, a ramp up to how they got where they are today. Tune in to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with host Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. We'll compare the good times with the adverse, find out the beginning and the current state, and learn the building blocks along the way. Listen every week for new episodes on Voice America Business. If you are in business today, there are so many aspects of the business to contend with. How can you save taxes? What is the most effective way to grow the business? And how do you define your business and where it stands among the competition? Listen for Empowering Business Women by Brenda Regiment. With Brenda's expertise and her panel of guest experts, you'll be in the know when it comes to managing, promoting, and setting yourself and your business apart. Tune in Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. The world is changing. Our beliefs about leadership need to change with it. That's the conversation happening at We Lead Radio. On this show, we reveal the simple yet profound truths we have learned from horses that will prepare you to lead confidently in the direction of your future. Join June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America's Business Channel. One of the best series for learning about global leadership and business issues. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis. And today we're speaking with Dr. Corey C. Miller and Megan Grace, who are the co-authors of Generation Z Goes to College and Generation Z Lead. And we've been talking a lot about who Generation Z is up to now and what their preferences are and what they want. And I would like to move on a little bit and and let's talk at a high level as an educator or a leader how do you get this generation engaged in general i think that we've talked a lot about motivation i think as we've said that 
keeping that at the foundation, keeping that in the back of the mind of when we're creating environments, how do we think about their motivation, keeping them activated. But I also think about the ways in which we're putting them in learning environments and even in in leading environments when we're hoping that we can impart wisdom or at least transfer knowledge of some capacity. And I I think back to how they've learned to take in information. Um, Even from the youngest age, they're used to being engaged online. And when they're online, they might be reading articles, they might be watching videos, chatting with friends. And so they are really comfortable learning on their own, but they also are used to bouncing from activity to activity. So they might be reading an article one minute, but then they're going to watch a video about something or they're going to go through a Wikipedia rabbit hole and just, you know, learn about all these different things in their own setting. So they are comfortable learning alone, but that doesn't mean that it should only be independent learning um, because we do know that they they value in-person communication. So I think about um, how do you spend the time with Gen Z in these learning and leading environments um, to keep them engaged. I think it needs to be infusing some element of variety of activities. So maybe for 10 minutes, you're doing some sort of instruction, um, like traditional instruction, and then maybe you're moving into, okay, let's get into discussion groups, or let's do some sort of experiential hands-on activity, and varying that time together to keep them engaged. It also feeds into their um, their desire and their they like multitasking and they think they're good at multitasking. So keeping them engaged through a variety of different activities can be a way that you're not only keeping their attention, but you're also probably hitting on multiple uh, learning styles and learning methods that might be preferred by different people in the group. And so I think that providing an element of social connectivity, but also independent work, it's really finding that balance between working alone, working with others, um, witnessing and taking in information, maybe uh, through instruction, but then also connecting it through experiential and hands-on activities. So I think that there's ways that educators and leaders can proactively plan for these things and ensure that we're keeping young people engaged in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. So th- that that's how we get them engaged, but also the, the, there's the other side of, of how do we get them developed? And, and I guess my question would be in the educational environment, what kind of programs can we develop, can we can we form to help develop this generation to be those leaders, those kind of leaders and, and that we need in the future? Well, one of the things that's you know unique about this generation is that they have some really strong attributes and predispositions to certain things, so whether it's learning or motivations or, or whatnot. And you know, as educators, it's key to be able to tap into their strengths and their desires because individuals perform better when they're in a space in which they're asked to use their strengths and their interests. And so for Generation Z, there's really three kind of key things that, you know, we would want to think about infusing into any kind of a program, a course, or, or an experience for students. The first one is giving them opportunities to be creative, inventive, and entrepreneurial. Uh, they, they have this natural inclination or this inventive and entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, they just don't have a lot of the skills to be able to know how to to maybe start their own business or to maybe create or develop an invention. But they, they have this inventive mind and innovative mindset. And so being able to offer places places like maker spaces and startup competitions and even business skills training can be really useful for this generation. The second thing would be teaching them some universal interpersonal skills. Uh, they were the first to admit in our study that they're just not really up to par on interpersonal skills. They're, some of them are actually quite afraid that they're going to, 30 years from now, they're not going to even know how to hold a conversation um, because they've been you know, online and on their phones so much. And um, so, so they, they're craving that. They're craving an opportunity to connect in person, but they want that training and the development to learn about things like emotional 
emotional intelligence and interpersonal skills and verbal communication. And then the last thing would be giving them some time and resources for learning on their own. I mean, Megan alluded to this earlier is this idea that, you know, they do like to learn independently and, you know, they are these interpersonal learners. And it's important for us to feed into that, um, not solely as their own only learning style, but are we giving them enough space to do some of that self-reflection? Do we have videos they can watch on their own? Do we have them doing online modules? Do we have them even sitting and reflecting in a journal and writing, handwriting into a journal to think about um, making meaning of the content that they're learning? So these are three things that I would say that we would probably want to infuse into any kind of a program to help develop Generation Z students. Mm-hmm. And, and those three things, Dr. C. Miller, are also three things that leaders have to keep in the back of their mind, um, you know, with this. And, and the, you know, this generation might not have those interpersonal skills, and, and it's our jobs to help them develop it. And when I'm thinking about it from a, from a leadership point of view also, I'm thinking about if, that's tr- if these are the three things we have to help them develop with, and then we also have, you know, how to get them engaged. How do we as leaders start to, to market and recruit to this generation? What, what do we need to focus when, when these are the important educational issues? This is how we get them engaged. What do we do as leaders to get to recruit and help this generation? So they, they look to, especially um, as teens and young adults, they're looking to their peers for peer endorsement. And so I think that there's this element of they're also used to seeing peer influencers on social media. And so when we think about marketing, thinking about how do we make it, uh, they want to see people that are like them and that are having that experience and can speak to that. Um, I think there's also this element of authenticity through marketing, which is an interesting concept of it doesn't have to be perfectly manicured. It has to be real and it has to be exactly like what that experience might be. And so they're also very, they're seeking out truth because I think that with their ability to look through social media and the internet um, at a variety of different marketing messages and know what's true and authentic and kind of call it when it's not um, and where there might be a, a disconnect between values and and actuality and so I think for looking at it from a marketing perspective how do you highlight the authenticity of a product how do you highlight the authenticity of an experience um, or for them to get engaged with something what is it going to be like to to be a part of something like that I think there's always going to be this element of they're innately wanting to make the world a better place so how do you connect the social good and the opportunity to make an impact through those marketing messages Um, and I think about it from say from a hiring perspective before marketing um, companies that maybe we want to hire these Gen Z, what is the level of customization? They're very used to being able to be expressive and craft a very uh, curated identity and but also curate their experiences. And so uh, when you think about hiring and job opportunities, what level of customization is there? Are they going to be able to DIY and choose their own adventure for their professional development? And so I think that the marketing, um, and they've also grown up seeing this idea of customization and even just consumer products. So how does that translate over to marketing experiences and and engaging young people? So I think that it comes down to this peer influence as well as authenticity, making the world a better place if you can, and then this idea of customization and expression. 
Mm-hmm. And once once we get that, once we get them into the job. So let's say we're successful. This we we'll get this engaged, um, and we're assuming that they they come into the workplace with a certain amount of of educational development, and now we need to keep them there. And we heard what Dr. C. Miller said about you know how to educate them, and how do we do that in training programs? How do we how do we keep them? engaged once we get them into the, the company? Well, one of the things that's really important with retention is that, you know, as Megan said earlier, is that, you know, this is a generation that's used to some, some customization in their lives. They want to be able to um, try things on, uh, try it before you buy it. I mean, we're in a subscription world where we don't buy things anymore. We try them, and if we don't like them anymore, we just stop subscribing. And so there's some element of making sure that when when they're in their roles in their in their jobs that they have an opportunity to potentially try other job duties to see if there's a, a better fit not so much that they want to jump around but just because they're you know they're young and they're not sure exactly what they want to commit to for the rest of their lives so if organizations can be flexible and and really you know even create a formalized some some places have formalized programs where they rotate their employees to try different jobs to see where their best fit is that could be really advantageous another thing that can be great to retain them is this concept of intrapreneurship. It's this idea of um, allowing employees to act almost like entrepreneurs with this kind of uh, innovative mindset as if they're running their own company, but doing it from within an organization by giving them the autonomy and resources to do that. This would be a great generation to really tap into that because they have this entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but if we can collect that and put it in an existing organization, I, I would venture to say that organizations could really benefit from that particular motivating mindset. And the, the last thing really, and when we think about retaining them is, you know, listening to them and being transparent with them. Uh, interestingly, they, the, this is a generation that doesn't necessarily have to be in, you know, knocking on the CEO's door and telling them what they think. That's not what, what this generation's about. They respect hierarchy, but they also know that if an organization is going through a difficult time or there's something happening, they just want to be informed if it impacts them. And so that idea of authenticity and transparency comes through also in terms of being retained in the organization itself. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Simelo, that's that. Those are really great tips for for leaders, and we're getting towards the end of our show. So, I'd like to just ask you a question: If you had one tip for the leader, one of the most valuable tips for leaders listening out there on engaging, retaining, getting along, helping this generation, what would be the most valuable tip? Well, for for leaders, I'll tell you, our research has found that this generation wants to make a difference. They believe that 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 their their career should be a contributor to making the world a better place. And so, for organizations, um, they are seeking organizations that are values based. Whether that's in the the uh, work that they do in terms of their mission, or it's just their operating procedures within. They want to know that that organization is doing good. And so if you're thinking about recruiting Gen Z, think about finding out what those messages are, branding your organization as values-based, sitting down and saying, what is our mission? And putting that out there for for Gen Z to see, but also being able to tap into their own motivations around creating and making a difference and saying, how do you fit into the organization in the things that we're trying to do? So there is a retention element of it as well. So the biggest piece of advice is really thinking about how are these organizations, how is your organization? organization making a difference and then how are you communicating that to prospective and current Gen Z employees? Mm-hmm. Super. And Megan, I'd like to ask you the same question for one tip to the educators who are listening. What would you say was the most, most valuable tip for them? 
I think that it's a matter of infusing variety, but also an element of making a connection to real world application. And so how do you take concepts that we're taking in training or maybe from traditional educational settings and making that connection to the real world? How are they going to utilize the skill that they're learning in the classroom in their future career or possibly in some form of engagement and in some other way, other form of involvement? Um, I was recently talking with some professors that teach physics and, you know, they're teaching physics concepts to non-science majors. And so really starting to brainstorm, how do you take the concepts of physics to non-science majors that are not going to pursue this, but have to take these courses and apply it to real world application that everyday people are going to be able to utilize. And I think that it's this idea of utility of, of knowledge that they're using. Um, so I always encourage, even from the very beginning, don't just say like, this is the outcome of a course, or this is the outcome of a, a learning experience, but here's how you're going to be able to utilize it down the road. Okay, we're learning formalized writing. Okay, for people that want to work in nonprofit management, you're going to need to utilize that for writing grants down the road and finding ways for them to make connections early on about how this educational experience is an opportunity to advance and to grow and have that personal development because sometimes it might not be blatantly clear to them from the immediate. So I think it's making that connection to the real world for them um, and how they can utilize that down the road. Great. Two fantastic tips for our leisures and our educators listening. I'd like to thank you, ladies, for the time today. It's been really insightful, and I'd really like to encourage our listeners to download your books. Um, the books, This is we've been talking to Dr. Corey Seemiller and Megan Grace. They're the authors of Generation Z, A Century in the Making, which offers a historical look at the influence of the last hundred years on Generation Z. And also Generation Z Goes to College, which aims to prepare college administrators and educators and leaders for a new generation. And Generation Z Leads, a practical implementation card guide for educators and leaders. And you can reach out to Megan on Megan M. Grace on Twitter and on Facebook and on LinkedIn. And Dr. C. Miller under Corey C. Miller on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And the websites, you can reach out to them on whoisgenerationz.com. You can reach Dr. C. Miller under www.coreycmiller.com and Megan under meganmgrace.com. And once again, I'd like to thank you ladies for joining us today. It's been great to have you and thank you for those edu- those tips for our educators and our leaders. Thanks so much uh, for having us. Thank you. Okay. And to our listeners, I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. We have a range of great guests on this series, and I'm happy to come to join your event and talk to you about my global experiences and how to grasp some of the changes we are talking about. Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020 in Europe, as well as Ponytail Talk. We provide leadership training, systemic team coaching, certification, motivational speaking, and much more. If you'd like to contact me, your host, Kimberly Lewis, please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. Please also like us on Facebook at Leadership Beyond Borders and on LinkedIn under Kimberly Lewis or on Twitter under Kimberly J. Lewis. And please tune in to us next week. We're live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time. And afterwards, download us on iTunes or Google Play and listen to our series. Thank you. And until next week. 
Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.